Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio. Good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley on the Big Match Preview is Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Not bad, thanks, Louis. Yeah, you're doing yeah, all pretty right, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what have you been up to today? Hey, let me know. Work. Work? Yeah. Very busy at work. Busy at work. Not, not as busy as Nathan Muller, though. Not as so busy as Nathan Muller, who, as you may tell, uh, is not here. Because uh, he is also working, unfortunately. Not but, living the dream, is he? Yeah, week? not living. He's living a nu- bloody nightmare. I should think so. Work yeah. all day and night. Uh, but in order to, uh, to to fill the void, we've got plenty to talk about here on Charlton Live this evening. We're going to talk about uh, the opening nine games that both uh, Carl Robinson and Russell Slade had in their spells at the club. Compare and contrast, and because they find out they've had very similar records over their, their opening nine games. We're going to talk about our possibility of a playoff push. There was a fascinating thread of tweets uh, from uh, Ben Linden the other day talking about how likely it is that we're going to hit the playoffs and then in fact I was sent a, a great website by a guy called John on Twitter at Experimental361 who try and predict what's going to happen for the rest of the season based on what has already happened so we'll, we'll talk about that as well uh, we're going to find out Glenn suggested he wanted us to talk about where the uh, the managers who have been within the network where they are now so we, we're going to find out where, where they are as well and of course we're going to look ahead to uh, uh, Saturday's game with Scunthorpe. We're going to hear from Carl Robinson. We're going to talk about Carl Robinson. He was in the newspaper today, wasn't he? Mm. Uh, talk about that very briefly. Find out, try and work out what's going on there. Uh, and then, yeah, like I said, we're going to preview. If we get a chance, we might talk about Paul Hayes as our uh, connection with uh, with Scunthorpe uh, before previewing the game with Flaggy's Corner, a section that Flaggy on Twitter has decided that I should bring into the show. <laughs> and I finally, after all these weeks uh, ignoring him, I'm going to use it because you know why not? He's 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 gone to the, he or she. I don't know who Flaggy is. Has gone to the effort of um, they're going to have to do. Con- content for us each week though. yeah exactly yeah. we need a flaggy story yeah, each week now especially a slow a slow news mm. week like this one yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to get in contact with tonight's show don't forget you can tweet us at Charlton Live or you can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk let us know anything you want to talk about Charlton Wise anything uh, if you still haven't gotten over the Russell Slade uh, the, sorry the uh, Keith Stroud disaster from last week if you want to vent about that you can if there's anything else you want to talk about uh, let us know but we are going to start off the show uh, with some very sad news anyone who's on Charlton Life uh, Charlton Life forum on uh, Charlton, Charlton uh, Twitter's 
pages and uh, or if you look at the, the Facebook page you would have seen some very sad news about a, a Charlton fan called Liam Meadows who sadly died aged 29 uh, Wednesday the 11th of January so sort of last week uh, he, he passed away unfortunately he's in his sleep um, obviously devastating news for the family uh, and uh, uh, the, the Charlton family have, have sort of rallied around them and there's going to be a minute's applause on, uh, on, on, the, on Saturday in the 29th minute he was 29 years of age when he passed away Liam's mother uh, confirmed that his family including his wife Sarah and her family are going to be coming uh, to, to the game on Saturday as well so obviously this will be a very uh, a very difficult time for them and, and it would be important for the Charlton fans to show their respect really and, and to pay their respects by applauding in the 29th minute I've, I've spoken to the club just to confirm because I know some fans have gone out of their way to, to try and rally this this sort of minutes applause and I, I spoke to the club today and they confirmed there's going to be a uh, the, the banner on the bottom of the uh, of yeah. the big screen is going to going to have some sort of tribute to them as well but um yeah so in the, in the 29th minute it's, it's uh, it'll, it'll mean so much I'm sure to the family in in this hugely difficult time uh, for for you to join in with a, a minutes applause on the 29th minute on uh, on Saturday it, 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 it's, it's going to be important really that Charlton fans join in with that yeah I think it's a it's a brilliant gesture and obviously it doesn't doesn't go anywhere near to replacing what they've lost, obviously. But uh, for someone who was such a passionate Charlton fan, um, and for something so tragic and so young, leaving leaving his wife and I think he's got a young daughter as well, yeah. leaving them behind is obviously just so awful for that family. So I guess just that display of unity um, and know that you know the Charlton family is still here and and saying. I guess saying goodbye to him, but also thanking him for his support and also supporting them through it. So, mm. yeah, you know, you see, you've seen gestures like this for Graham Taylor over recent weeks as well. And yeah, I think it's it's a good way to to show them that they're they're not alone in, as you say, in what's a very difficult time for them. And we all know like the how the the Charlton family comes together. I mean, being part of the Charlton family means that obviously that they're going to come together and try and support mm. uh, Liam's family in this situation. But it, I mean, being part of the Charlton family means I mean. Um, my friend Benji had a had a good long conversation with Liam in the pub a few years ago before a game, and mm. we followed each other on Twitter. These are all just the sort of things that, by being part of this fan base, you are. Um, and obviously, whereas you know, people, those of us who didn't know him really that well, yeah, won't won't feel it anywhere near the family do. But but you do feel it when it's a Charlton fan, and, and it's such sad news. And that's why you want to show your respect to show you that that, that uh, Liam's family that he'll ha- they'll have the support of of this massive Charlton. Charlton Absolutely, and those connections are are the good things to come out of things like football clubs. And you know, speaking from uh, from the point of view of you know, I'm a first generation Charlton fan in my family. I didn't grow up anywhere near here. You know, the reason I supported Charlton was was kind of something a bit different. So I don't have those friends from childhood necessarily that that are Charlton fans that I come with every week. It's more of coming with my granddad historically. So. I've made friends through the club and obviously come on here and started doing this. And again, he, he's someone that I think I'm think I'm pretty sure I followed on Twitter. If not, I definitely recognised him. And that's probably, it, I mean, it's not unique to Charlton. I'm sure it happens in other clubs. But the, the bond that Charlton fans have, and it probably does go back to things like saving the club uh, when we left the Valley and that, it, it does bring us fans together. And as I say, particularly at the time we're in at the moment in terms of the ownership and the way the club's going, it's nice that something like like this can, can unite the fans. Obviously, not not nice in, in the sense of what's happened, but the fact that Charlton fans can still come together and show that display and, as I say, just show that family that how much of a part of the family that, that Liam was. And I think that's that's important that we haven't lost that. So this Saturday... 
Uh, twenty nine minutes into the game, you'll see you'll see it along the bottom of the big screen on the on the banner down there. Uh, twenty nine minutes into the game, a minute's applause. Get to your feet and, and applaud for to remember the life of Liam Meadows, a Charlton fan who sadly left us this week. Into the box, it's a flick on from beginning. Yeah! Oh, shoulder of grab the equaliser. I think it could have been Bauer on the line, but McGuinness's initial header. And quite how we've done it, I've no idea, but Charlton are back on level terms. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio. Greenwich. Get out of the way, Stroud, you moron. Charlton Live. You ain't got away with it, Keith Stroud. I think we'll play <laughs> that on every show from now on in until until the end of the season. Uh, right, on the on the uh, top of tonight's show, I said we're going to talk about... We're going to compare and contrast records of uh, of our two managers that we've had this season. Because um, someone put up something quite interesting on the forum the, the other day about the, the opening nine games for each of these. Now, it, bear in mind, uh, Carl's had... Was it... Two cup games in there, yeah, MK. Yeah, yeah, both, away, both, yeah both the MK games. So, um, whereas in uh, in Slade's first nine games, I think he would have had the Cheltenham Cup game, and I think that might have been it. Maybe a checker trade if uh, if uh, yeah, I didn't it, go back and check. But I think but, he had two two checker trades. Did he within his first nine? Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Yeah. No, maybe just the one within yeah. the first nine. Yeah. yeah. But um, so so in terms of um. Uh, in terms of their actual records, now I found this fascinating. So Russell Slade, uh, first nine games, uh, we played nine. Obviously, we won two, we drew four, and we lost three. Scored ten and conceded ten. Uh, Carl Robinson, first nine games, also won two, also drew four, also lost three. Uh, scored eight instead of ten and still conceded ten. So the only thing that's changed is we scored two less goals. Okay. Um, so I mean, were you, were you surprised when, when you hear those stats? I guess thinking about it, not not really because. That Swindon game aside, towards the end of Slade's reign, oh, I suppose that maybe it was after those first nine games, just thinking about it. But, you know, we hadn't started with the sort of form that was going to push us to the title. But then I don't think these last nine games we've really played in the sort of performances that are going to push us to the title either. So I think our season itself has been very up and down, but I don't necessarily think that that's down to the managers. I think that's just the mm. fact that we were a squad adapting and growing to a new league and a, a new squad kind of growing together. Yeah. I mean, in, in the time since Carl's come in, uh, you know, are, are, you, are you now seeing a difference in playing style? We obviously definitely saw a difference mm. in formation. Yeah, yeah, we are. And I think it it's starting to turn around and pick up. And I do think if we look at maybe the next nine or ten games without trying to tempt fate, I would like to think that there's been improvements there from from his first nine and from Slade's first nine. I think the football is a bit better. Um, but as I say, the results themselves, I think we've been so all over the place. We haven't had really any period of consistency over the whole season. So th- those two records th- don't surprise me in that sense that they've got you know a few wins, a few draws and a few losses. Uh, I would have expected that we'd scored more goals under Carl than we had under Russell. So that's a surprise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, it, we're never going to know, are we? But I, we said at the time, firing Slade seemed like just a bit of a reaction to the Swindon game itself. And I think there's nothing 
in those first nine games to suggest we wouldn't be where we are now if we'd have kept Slade, I don't think. Do, have you noticed a difference in the way that the fans have taken to each manager? Because if you remember, I'd say after nine games, there were certainly people already getting on Russell's back, and I don't think you've really seen that. Maybe after the Millwall away, when uh, quite a few fans gave mm. gestures towards Carl, but that's obviously in the heat of the moment after Millwall away when, when we've got beaten. But since, you know, Carl, to me, seems more popular as a manager. Mm. I think I'd agree with that. I think... First of all, the way Slade talked to the media a couple of times, there was obviously the thing with yourself, there was the way he said something about, and of course the fans will say that's my fault. There were little snappy remarks like that that I don't think adhered him to the fans immediately. Um, I don't know how many fans view it at this level, but you know, Carl coming in and saying how much he loves the club and how proud he is to represent the club, that's going to turn some fans. Um, His positivity obviously, obviously helps, but I do think maybe our expectations have dropped a bit. Maybe with Slade, we expected to be up in those top two positions and we weren't in those first nine games. And now, under Carl, we haven't got worse. Uh, I'm assuming we've gone up in places, but we certainly haven't got worse than before he came in. So I think maybe that expectation is there that that perhaps it's maybe not our expectation isn't as high as it was when we started the season. Yeah, that's, pro- that's probably a good point, actually, because like you say, yeah, at the start of the season, I was thinking, well... I was hoping that we were going to finish in the top two, and now I've, compl- I've ri- completely written that off. We're going to yeah. talk about later on in the show about what our chances are or re- even mm. of even getting into the playoffs at this time of the season. Um, ah, but yeah, in, in terms of character, I think um, I think Carl because he, he comes in like an excitable puppy. Yeah. Uh, whereas Russell was a lot more, you know, a lot more straight, a lot more dour, perhaps. Yeah. But, um, he did he did tell a, a few jokes, but that sort of thing, the energy that Carl brings to his press conferences, I think people do live off that because like I say considering it's two completely the same records they, mm. the fans do react to them differently yeah I think with Carl it's something you can immediately re- uh, relate to as a fan that excitement around your football club um, and that's so that's in, over those first because he's only been here such a short time that's something that we can immediately latch on to um, but yeah like you I think I was hoping that we would be top two you know maybe top end of the, the playoff places and now I'm thinking we might make a playoff push and actually given how the season started the idea of making a playoff push is quite exciting and therefore you Mm. want to get behind the team and push for that whereas I think at the start of the season when we dropped off and dropped down to mid-table and that those top two places were dropping further and further away and then you throw in some of the defeats as well and some of the maybe lacklustre performances you just it does. It, it just kind of gets you down. Yeah, don't don't get too excited about a playoff push because no. we've got some stats to ruin that in, in a little while. Yeah, oh, I'm well aware there's a long way to go. <laughs> um, obviously, obviously, coming into coming into a new club, that you have your different sorts of challenges. Now, I think when Russell came in to when Carl came in, you, you, you're faced with two different types. So, so it's almost a case of well, what's going to be harder when when Russell comes in. There's just a smouldering wreck of a football mm. squad there that he has to rebuild, re- reform into a, a football team, get discipline back, get shaped back, all those sort of things. So he's has to, he has to do all of that straight away when he starts. Whereas when Carl comes in, there is that base. So there is a, mm. He's taken over a team that had lost one in nine, I think, when, when he came in. Yeah. But he, he has his own style of play. So you're taking a team which is more settled and knows a system, and now you're taking one... You know, whereas whereas um, Russell had a team that didn't have a system, Carl's mm. taken one that had a system and wants to change it to his own system. Perhaps a bit with, with with square pegs and round holes in terms of the sort of playing staff he had available to him when he starts. But you've got two completely different challenges there, and they obviously obviously that surprising really they've ended with exactly the same results after their first nine games because of that. Yeah, and not only that as well. I mean, as I say, I think on the whole we would 
think the exact record aside, but the feel around the club is more positive under Carl. Um, but he, he's had to deal with losing Lookman. He's lost, OK, there are critics of Fox, but he's lost a left-back who's played over 100 times for the club. He's had so many injuries to the point where this weekend we've only got, I think, two centre-backs that could play. So he's had to deal with a lot as well. So to still have that positivity through that, I think that's a, that's obviously a good thing. Um, and going back to that sort of the, the base that he came in with, I think that's something that however we view Russell, Russell Slade's short time at the club we can we shouldn't forget how much he did to kind of try and bring back some of the charltonness to the club so you know even little things like the sides of the tunnel which I know might not matter to some fans but trying at least these these little things and the uh being more strict around the training ground and having a bit more of a regimented system and those sort of things they do make a difference and from the sound of things there are few people getting away with a lot of stuff under previous owners and he brought a lot of that back so you know we should thank him for that but yeah I would say my opinion is that the whole feel of the club has been much more positive around Carl than it was under Russell but having said that it was more positive under Russell than it had been at the end of last season so you can only really compare it to what's gone before. I had a tweet in from Simon Trill, who I've, I've been following him all day on Twitter because for, for a really Cholton reason as well, because he was on the train up to Edinburgh and I found it fascinating all the pictures he was putting up. He says, make it a good show, guys. I'm stuck on a train in Newcastle and the lines are blocked. I need entertaining. So he's on the way home as well. Right? Back to uh, almost a shorter stay in uh, Edinburgh than uh, Tony Watt had on Lone Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so we talk about, po- I think there is a more positive feel. Um, around the squad at the moment, and it is interesting, really, because you do point out the fact that we have lost those two, two, two big players for us in terms of Adamola Lookman, who's you know a big player for a different reason to the reason Morgan Fox was Adamola was the one who's going to bring the flair and all mm. this. Uh, obviously, Morgan was just a, a safe pair of hands at left back, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so it is surprising. It, it probably does go to show how important your work in the media is, because you did speak about. How um, early on, I think a lot of people did turn on on Russell, and, and were because he was a bit snappy at times and we, we did you know, me, he, he did have those comments with me which you know I've, I've water under the bridge now but it probably it probably it gets in people's minds and mm. that sort of thing whereas Carl hasn't been like that at all he is a so it does show perhaps with, where people feel more positive after exactly the same record apart from two less goals yeah I don't know if just thinking about it as well what the expectations of both managers were as well because obviously the amount of pressure that Slade was having to work under must have been enormous and Obviously, that comes with any managerial job, and particularly in football management, where you're so much in the public eye. But I wonder if Carl has come in and seen where we are and thought, well, what have I got to lose? You know, I can push us for the playoffs. Like you say, the odds are probably against us. If he gets us there, brilliant. And if he doesn't, he can point the finger at what's happened maybe before he came in. So I think their expectations are different in the same way that the fans are. I think his work in the media. It does make a difference as well. I mean, we laugh and joke about him, you know, interrupting the interviewer. And we've talked about how he's maybe come across when he's been the manager at MK Dons. But a lot of the stuff he said here has been really positive. And I was one of the people that was a bit sceptical about him when he was rumoured to be joining the club. But having not only met him, but listened to him through the press conferences as well, I, I like what I hear. And it's easy to be turned, I think, as a football fan, because your your instinct is to love the club and so therefore if they can do a few things right it's easy for them to get on side with the fans and I think that's what Carl's done and I don't think Russell really ever did 
Excellent stuff. Right, so you listen to Charlton Live, the big match preview here. Later on in tonight's show, we're going to uh, just look at what our chances are of making the playoffs. Let us know what you think our chances are of making the playoffs. I'll just put a tweet out there. Reply to that if you want. Uh, Billy Hendricks thinks we've got a 5% chance of that. Uh, also, talk about the free coach travel to Bolton, which we haven't even mentioned. I'm going to find out what our former network managers are up to these days. I've done a very quick five-minute Wikipedia search, so I'll save you that. Save you that. We're going to talk about... Uh, big Carl Robinson turning up in the Daily Mail at one point today uh, and then look ahead to uh, this weekend's game with Scunthorpe of course hearing from uh, from Carl Robinson back in a few moments time here on Charlton Live <laughs> Fox throws it in towards the box towards Pierce. gets his head out oh! again, another penalty for Charlton and have a second chance to redeem themselves the Addicts Heard protesting his, Indian, uh, his innocence, but his hand was up and pierced his head. I cannoned off Heard's arm. Gentlemen, can he maintain his composure as he steps up to strike this right footed? He does. And buries the goal down the bottom left hand corner. And Charlton are playing a get out of jail free card here, you've got to say, as Nicky Jose pulls Charlton back level. From the home of time, time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Let's not make Charlton now into a team uh, who's going everywhere and must win and must be better than uh, the home side. Charlton Live! Unfortunately, Carol, if we want to get in the playoffs, we're going to have to do just that. Right, we've, um, uh, there was a, a good thread of tweets uh, by Ben Linden the other day up on that there Twitter. Uh, and he was, uh, he was sat down with his calculator trying to work out exactly what our chances are of making the playoffs. Um, so he looked at, he looked at how all, all the teams that got promoted from League One over the last five years, what, how many points they've got. Okay. So the standout ones are, are after 26 games. So we're 26 games okay. in now. Uh, Barnsley had, uh, 31 points. Uh, we've currently got 36. Okay. Yeovil had 39. They're the only two anywhere near us that we got. Okay. The, the, so the, the Barnsley got promoted last year with 31, and they had an absolutely remarkable second half of the yeah. season. Um, Yeovil got promoted on 39. Uh, they ended up going up through the playoffs. Uh, and then everyone else. So the, the teams that finished top of the league, you had uh, us in the last time we got promoted with 58, Doncaster with 48, Wolves with 52, Brav, uh, Bristol City with 57, Burton Albion with 54. So you're looking at around 50 points to get in the top two at this stage of the season. So we're not there. We're yeah. not there. We, we knew that really. Near. No, we're near. Um, second, second automatic place is all the lowest ones have been 45, Wigan and Bournemouth. Everyone else 52, 56, 52. Okay. So we know we're not going to get in the top two. So, um, so Barnsley last season, uh, they say they had 31 points after 26 games. And then they had an incredible second half of the year where they got 2.15 points per game for the rest of the Jeez. season, having been at 1.19 for, for the start of the season. Okay. okay. Um, to get into the playoffs, I think roughly you want about 74 points to get into the playoffs. Okay. Um, to get that from now on, we'd need 1.99 points per game. Currently, we're on 1.38 points per game. For the, that's for the whole season. Under Carl in the league, we've been on 1.29 points per game. To get... To get up to that, so two points per game, basically is what we need. One point nine yeah. to get to that yeah. seventy-four. Carl's been saying we need two points per game. To be fair to him, yeah. Obviously, we haven't been getting that yet. We've been getting one point twenty-nine under him so far, but he hasn't had his squad. But in order to to get two points per game from now on, seems uh, hopeful, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I think based on what we've seen, definitely hopeful is is one of the ways of putting it. I think I I don't know if this is or where I've heard this, but if you want to win the title, you usually aim for two points a game in general, don't you? Um, I think we did when we last got League One title. Um, it's it's optimistic. I mean, obviously it's possible. Like you say, was it Barnsley that went on a, a yeah, good Barnsley run? Barnsley last season. So, I think we. I mean, remember Crystal Palace got promoted to the Premier League yeah. years and years ago, having been nineteenth at Christmas. Yeah. It can go the other way, of course. Millwall, uh, after we beat them in ninety six, they were top of the league and ended up getting relegated, having yeah. been top of the league at Christmas. So, I think I, I certainly think it's possible. I think based on performances like that Bristol Rovers performance, I think we know we've got it in us as well. I think. The problem has been, and it's the same problem when we were discussing the Russell versus Carl debate, is the consistency. We don't seem to ever have that, so we do win a couple of games and then we don't don't win for three or four, and that's the big problem, really. Um, can we do it? Yes. Will we? Uh, it's going to be tight. I think if we get the playoffs, we're going to be scraping in, in the last couple of games, but um, yeah, I, obviously I'd love us to do it, but... I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, t- to get that two points per game now would pretty much be title contending form, mm. and I don't think, I don't think we've proved that. I mean, even under Carl, if you look at the league games we've played under Carl, if we're gonna if we're gonna be honest, obviously we had our problems with the Millwall situation at home where we had we had injuries and whatnot, but you know we didn't we were all right. We didn't set the world alight yeah. in that game. Bristol Rovers we played excellent. South End we had a, a, a difficult first seventy minutes really, only turned it on towards the end. MK we we had we showed a different side of ourselves. Uh, Millwall away, we're we're really poor. Peterborough at home, we're even worse. Bradford mm. away, we played well. I mean, no, there, there's no there is no consistency there, and that's what that's what we have we're gonna have to show now to to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think if we're every three games, am I right? Every three games, we'd have to win two and lose one. That would be six points over the three games, wouldn't it? So mm. that's the kind of record we're looking at, and I I just don't think we're likely to do that. Like you say, I think. We throw in too many poor performances against the sides down in the lower reaches. I mean, Oldham was the the pinnacle of that. Really, that was such a, a an appalling performance. But that's not that doesn't stand alone. There's been other ones. You know, we lost to Wimbledon when we were when we were doing all right. You know, we've thrown other games away as well. And that's unfortunately that I think that's going to be our downfall. And that's probably why we won't make it. But again, going back to that that first discussion that we had then maybe Carl can look at that and think right if we don't I've had half a, just over half a season give me a full season now and and I'll I'll get you up and you know we don't want to have to think like that yet whilst the playoffs are still possible we want to keep keep thinking that we can get there but maybe Carl's going to have to start planning like that I guess yeah because when you when you look at them we are only seven points off the playoffs which mm. it does, it's one of those things it doesn't sound like a lot no. we're 11th so in order to get up to that six points not only do we have to get seven more points or eight more points than the team that's in sixth place we have to get probably get five more and four more yeah. and three more and two more than the teams that are above us so there's, mm. there's what five or six teams you have to overcome just to be within a shout of it and then you have to get those points and that's and that will be the change even if we were to show that that level of consistency that we want to there might be a team Who's who's above us? Say two or three places above us that won't even have to show that level. Won't won't have to have that same amount of results that we do. Yeah, uh, that, that's the thing. But then you also think if we win at the weekend and two or three of the sides above us lose, which is more than possible on a, on an average weekend, suddenly you're three or four points off the playoffs, and you're thinking, right, it's only one win away. So if, to that end, you think, oh well, I don't know. You know, it only takes two or three wins in a row, and suddenly you're you're right back in the hunt so 
I, I don't know. It, it really depends. Uh, I, I still think we can do it. I still don't think we will do it. But uh, the odds aren't in our favour, are they? None of them read like we're going to be able to. Uh, and as I say, if that's the case, we, we're going to have to look at a second season down at this level, which would yeah. obviously not what we all thought when we came down here in the summer. Yeah, Mark Crome says, uh, us getting in the playoffs is highly unlikely, lads. Even Carl Robinson says we need more than one window to get the squad he wants, plus injuries we have now. London Indigiza says, Robinson says what he thinks the fans want to hear. He talks cobblers, declared a love for the club after just a few days within the job. And Marion said, I can't believe I forgot Chapman Live was on. He's li- she's listening now. Come on, Marion. you got you got to put a reminder in your phone or something. Right, we'll be back in a second. Then John... Uh, John CFC on Twitter sent me an interesting website that's going to further depress us when it looks like we're not getting in the playoffs. Time Radio, Greenwich. They got that deep, they all needed snorkels. Charlton Live. So I'm back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Thanks to uh, Ben's just tweeted me in uh, to say thanks for uh, discussing his, his thread of tweets. To be honest, thanks for putting it out there because mm. we didn't have much to talk about this yeah, week. And that, was, that, that is genuinely quite interesting. I, uh, when, when I look at, um, I remember last season, when, when I try and think of things that oh, you want it to happen, and I think, oh no, it's too good, it's too mm. good to happen. Like Things like the Leicester City title, when at yeah. one point they were five or six points away and you're thinking oh yeah. you, don't, you don't trust them to do it but you, you, you look at the mathematics so we, statistically they are very likely to do yeah. it it's the same with, with Aston Villa going down last season I remember thinking about Christmas like statistically they'd have to throw in some like yeah. title winning form now to South and it's just not going to happen and that sort of thing is, is interesting and we need we need to throw in pretty close to title winning form now just to get into the playoffs yeah uh, and that's that's kind of what I mean by if we get that one win suddenly it looks very close it's the same as you say in, in relegation battles you mm. you look three or four points away you get a big win and the team above you loses and you suddenly think you're gonna you're on the run and you're gonna stay up but the reality is and all the odds and the statistics say mm, actually no you're not mm. you're still going to be in trouble and that's what worries me because I still do think we can make playoffs I still got that feeling that we can do it but actually when you look at all those stats it's going to be so tough to do and, and as you say we effectively need title winning form and uh, whilst I do think we we have that in us I just I'm not sure. It goes back to consistency again. Uh, it, you know, it might take three or four wins, and if we got three or four in a bounce, there's no, suddenly when the confidence comes back, you can go and do it. But I think realistically, that's probably not going to be the case. James Fern wants to know what our expected suggested starting lineups will be for Saturday, and we'll come to that towards the uh, the end of the show as we preview this Saturday's league game here with. Uh 
Scunthorpe United. Uh, right, now, John on Twitter uh, sent me a, a link earlier to the Experimental 361 website, which uh, I already don't trust because 361 is an illegal formation. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, uh, no, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one. It's an E-ratings league, and they, they work out their ratings based on how many goals worth of chances a team would create against an average op- opponent. Okay. So basically it says it's combined quality of chances that the clubs create and allow. So a really good, how many really good chances you create. Uh, and this is interesting because on the, on the sort of chances we, <laughs> we, uh, they expect us to go further down the league table based on the oh, chances. Good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they uh, they they expect us to finish in fifteenth. So we we don't create enough chances, and we give away more chances than we create, according to this particular stats website. So is it, there is there's so many different ways of looking at stats now, isn't there? That to try and work out where you're going to finish. I mean, at the same, I mean, the question is how how much do you put your faith in these stats, and how much do you trust them? Mm, I mean, they obviously come from from what's actually happening. So they they've got a f- fair amount of credibility. Um, Thinking about the games we've had, I think we probably do create less chances than we give away. Um, but that, you know that that's not well. Obviously, it is taking into account these factors. But when you think about it, you know McGuinness now out injured. A Jose, the striker that we bought in to be our big headline name, hasn't really cut it. Adamola Lutman, who scored loads of goals, has now gone. Ricky Holmes has been out of the team for a long time. So, from a Charlton fan looking at it and knowing the team and knowing how we play and all of that, I think. It's less worrying than it than it comes across just as a statistic. But when Russell Slade was in charge and we had a few losses and we were down in 18th early on in the season, there were people that wondered whether we'd be doing back-to-back relegation. So I don't know what, what people who thought that think now based on, on how we've changed, but we've certainly got it in us. Mm-hmm. You know, And we've seen that you know just last season, obviously, how we can have that steady decline, particularly whilst this ownership's here and whilst the the atmosphere around the club isn't great. And I know, as I say, it's picked up recently. I thought it was brilliant at the weekend for the Millwall game, for example. Um, but whilst that, that feeling's there and the club is still in this kind of rut that it's been in for three or four years, there's nothing to say that we can't lose a few and suddenly have to be looking over our shoulder. Excellent stuff. So we're not going to the playoffs, basically, is what we're saying. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, right. Let's, try, let's, let's do a bit of um, uh, a little bit of club news. I'll just play the, the jingle for our club news. Get out of the way, Stroud, you moron! Yep, uh, <laughs> that's the way that goes. That's our new jingle. Uh, right, the club announced uh, either yesterday or today that they're going to be running free coach travel to Bolton. Uh, the Bolton game for was... the game or just in general? Yeah, well, tomorrow. Yeah, 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 forever. Yeah. The um, uh, obviously the game was sort of in doubt up until uh, Palace beat Bolton in the FA Cup replay. So we now know that that weekend is going to be our game. So with it being late, I mean, if you're looking at trains now, it's quite expensive. So I get mm. that, that is a good way to go, and there's still. Seven or however many days to get yourself sorted. Nine days to get yourself sorted to go yeah. up to Bolton. So you can, book, if you ring up the club, you can book on a free coach. Obviously, supply is limited. But, you know, they did they did the free coach a few times last season. I don't think there was a huge take-up in terms of we started turning mm-hmm. out. I know we did it for Preston. It's not like we suddenly turned up to Preston with 5,000 fans. It's still lower than that. But if you are planning on going and you hadn't sorted out any travel yet, it might, especially for people who hadn't decided to go, yeah, it's just another way to get up there. So that's, that's a, a nice touch, really. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. Uh, it's, as you say, it's a shame it, it kind of had to come so late because we were waiting on that Palace-Bolton result because two days ago I had no plans for that day and, and now I have, so I won't be able to take them up on the offer. But there might be fans who, like me, had no plans for that day who now think, I think the, the match ticket's only about 20 quid, isn't it? So I think suddenly you're getting all the way up there and back and, and watching a game of football for for that price. And I think that's a, a great initiative and... 
particularly given what we've just talked about, about needing this big second half of the season push. You know, the more fans we can take to away games, the better. And yeah, I think it's, it's a as you say, something we've done before and it, it's usually fairly popular and hopefully we'll get, you know, even if we just get another hundred or so fans up there, that'll make a big difference. Mm. Uh, and the other thing was announced by the China Athletic Community Trust that the, uh, this, this season's, uh, well, the next Upbeats Day, uh, the day when the Charlton Athletic Upbeats team, they, they, they tend to come to the Valley. I, I, they normally do a walk. I don't know if, they, if they're yeah. planning that again. That's what it says, yeah, yeah from Sparrows Lane. Yeah, so another walk from the training ground to the Valley. That's going to be on April the 8th. Uh, the home game against Southend, and the upbeats day is always spectacular. We we did we did some stuff with the trust on last week's show about the um, uh, the street violence ruins live stuff, mm. and we know the trust does so much stuff. But this is probably one of the ones that resonates most with the fans because obviously the, the upbeats come onto the pitch and that, and uh, everyone can sort of in, in, enjoy their enthusiasm for the club. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Um, I've never been able to do the walk myself, but you look at the figures. I think was it thirty six thousand pound we raised last year. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Just a, a huge amount of money and. We we go on about all of the stuff the trust does, but that money obviously is just an, another sign of, of just how much they they can do not only for the club but for the area and and for people, you know, like the upbeats and it's such a fantastic cause. I think everyone, as you say, loves it when when they all come onto the pitch and it's just a really good feel good day. And obviously we've had people who've done the walk who, who work or you know come on chart and live as well, and they all will say what a, what a fantastic feeling it is to do that as well and yeah uh, it's good that it's happening again obviously and more recognition of of all the hard work that the trust do right so you listen to Charlton Live it's a big match preview here on Marathon Radio quick break and then we'll come back and uh, uh, as suggested by by one of our listeners we're going to look, look do, do some uh, detective work and find out where all our former network managers are working now just to see what they're up to really because Jackson, he's got Fox in the overlap. Uses him, Fox, cross an opportunity, fires it across, oh. looks for Lookman, comes to Johnny Jackson, fires across, yeah, Johnny Jackson oh. makes it two for Charlton. Ball from Fox was cut out initially, fell back to the skipper, fires it into the far corner, the Charlton double their lead. From the home of time, time. this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. That's very weird. Charlton Live. Welcome back, Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Louis Mendes and Tom Wallin in the studio here at the Valley looking ahead to Saturday's game with Scunthorpe United in a few moments' time. Now, I was uh, sort of scraping the barrel a bit for, for stuff to talk about this week. It's been a fairly... Uh, slow news week really but um, so I'll, I'll just put there on Twitter to find out if anyone wanted anything talked about and Glenn uh, tweeted me said why don't you why don't you do some detective work and find out where all our current or all our all our previous network managers have ended up so I've counted network managers as between Bob Peters and Jose Rigo okay. number two so we've gone for that so first one Bob Peters so do you want to let's see how good you are at guessing where do you think Bob Peters is now I'm a guess do I need a specific team or just a league? Nah, he doesn't. Is I, don't, it, I probably don't know teams. Yeah. He's at neither, to be fair. Oh, is he not? Yeah. Uh, chef? Unemployed, yeah. Is he's he? unemployed, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Russell no. Slade, body double, I understand. Okay. Uh, he, since, since he left us, uh, Bob Peters managed Sporting, Lochran and Westerloo, both in Belgium. But he's currently not managing, which is mm. a real shame. That is. Yeah. Carl, watch your back. Yeah, next up, Guy Luzon. Now, I didn't realise this, but uh, after... After he left recently, he'd been at Hapel Tel Aviv 
Yeah, that I did know. Yeah, so uh, a club in Israel, one of the, one of the, one of the respected clubs in yeah. Israel. And why that? I mean, I've heard of them. Mm. That's how he's, I. That's, he's done well for himself. That's how I rate how respected clubs in Israel are. If that's, I've heard of them, that's probably fair. To yeah, be honest. but he was there for five months before uh, being let go. Now, um, so is he unemployed now as well? Uh, yeah, also unemployed. Good. Uh, what do you think, Carol Fry is? Barcelona? <laughs> yeah, no, Chief Scout at Barcelona? Yeah, he's in the washing room, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he might be doing a stadium tour, maybe? Could be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just sat there waiting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Belgian third tier? So, so he, went, he went to Lommel United in the Belgian second division in right. February of last year. Uh, and he uh, he kept them up, I and mean, they they stayed up in whatever division. Were they it is. top when he took over? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I certainly know they were bottom when he got sacked in October. Okay. Uh, so this season he was he was bottom of the league with Lommel. They, he got sacked after a six-three home defeat, uh, and unfortunately, Carol Fry. Uh, I mean, just after the six-three game, do you know what he said? Uh, we were good. We were good. Yeah, he said we were good. Did he? Yeah. No, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> he got sacked. So finally, it comes to Jose Riga. Now this one. So is Carol unemployed as well? Unemployed as well. <laughs> good. Uh, so that's three out of four unemployed. Uh, I haven't missed anyone, have I? Now apart from Jose, obviously Jose managed us twice. Uh, left us at the end of last season. Decided to resign after the uh, game at home to Burnley, where where uh, after we'd got relegated and they'd uh, obviously won the title. Uh, now he is managing currently I was going to say he's yeah. the one that I would expect to still be in work yeah Circle Bruges which is a club that I'm fairly okay. confident I've Bob Peters of, I've heard of them I think Bob Peters managed them back in the day okay. possibly so they're in Belgium as well so Jose jo- jo- Riga is managing so you, you say so three out of four unemployed are you surprised mm. by that? no not in the slightest and I think you know sometimes the more that becomes the past the the more we maybe forget about it. But when you look at that now and look at their history of clubs apart from Charlton and the fact they now can't even get jobs shows how ridiculous that couple of year period was. And maybe it is improving now. And this season, in terms of the managerial appointments, we've still had to go through two managers over a relatively short space of time. But at least they've both got experience in this league. But yeah, that that doesn't surprise me at all, really. It's just, it is just shocking from a sense of they were ever here in the first place. But <laughs> Riga... Uh, I'm not surprised he is still in work. I think thrown into the championship was maybe a bit too high for him. And what he did that first time he came in was pretty incredible. But I do think he's a he's a competent manager, <laughs> which is more than can be said for some of those others. Hmm. Excellent stuff. Right, uh, it's time to do our Charlton Connection for this week. Only very briefly, because I didn't bother tweeting it out, because I wasn't sure if we were going to squeeze it into our packed show this week. But mm. Paul Hayes uh, is our connection with Scunthorpe. Um I mean, Paul Hayes was a funny one because I was sitting here trying to think of basically as soon as Yang came in, that was him done, really. Mm. Wasn't it? That that was my main main feeling, really. And when when I was thinking about him, all I could think was he started the season really well, and him and Bradley Wright Phillips were a really good partnership together, and you know they were working well off each other, and he was getting some goals. And then, as you say, Yang came in, and we don't need to. There's nothing we can say about Yang that we haven't already said about what we think of of him, but. Paul Hayes just didn't really find his way back in, I don't think. But he he was a part of that squad. He kick-started that season with with Bradley Wright Phillips and that shouldn't be underestimated because that gave us the start that that obviously led to us winning that title. Hmm, Excellent stuff. So Paul Hayes is our connection between the Alex and Scunthorpe uh, this week. Right now, uh, Carl Robinson uh, was good enough to go and speak to Tony Hart of the uh, the uh, BBC Radio Kent. Tony Hart was uh, speaking to Charlton manager Carl Robinson ahead of this week's home game with Scunthorpe United. Talking to Charlton manager Carl Robinson ahead of Saturday's home game against Scunthorpe. 
Carl, can we turn the clock back to last Saturday in the goal that was, but wasn't, scored by <laughs> Patrick Bauer against Millwall? It's been shown time and again on television. Nothing wrong with it. So I wonder if the referee, Keith Stroud, has offered an explanation for that decision to you. Well, Keith doesn't want to offer them, but he doesn't want to speak to us. But Keith's doing a, he's doing a derby again this week. He's doing Fulham QPR live on Sky. So... That's the that's the few, that's that's where I think we get. I get the fact that when people have a bad game, they have to go out and try and rectify it almost immediately. Um, he had a bad game. He didn't perform well on the day. Uh, but nothing, nothing. I call I call Dave Allison. Dave Allison was excellent. He said we've got it wrong, and and a, and a bit. I don't care what people think. What this guy can say, but I don't care anymore. Uh, the. They said that the assistant referee give it 40 yards away when the referee's 10 yards away looking down the line of it. Yeah, listen, these, these are things that, you know, how passionate our fans are. Um, and the biggest game in the season for them has been hindered by a, by a refereeing decision. Um, and then we had a player sent off who was, who was provoked all game. I've got a set, another centre-back who was injured by one of their players that nothing happened. So, yeah, all in all, it's a good point. Um, but Do you feel that Keith Stroud owes you and the club an explanation for that decision? Yeah. Did you seek an explanation? It's a good one to go live, isn't it? No, no. Uh, I don't think there's any points sometimes. I think get I out of the way, Stroud, you moron! Um, because, as you know, I do get quite emotionally attached to the game, um, as you see. Um, but I think it was important that I sort of took time to, to really have a look at what was going on. That's why I let you, all you guys have a look at it before anybody else, because it was important that you wrote what you had to write, not what I had to say. And um, anyway, it's gone now. It's gone. I'm sure. I'm sure the PGM will learn from it. I'm sure we'll move on, and we'll all be better people for it. Since your appointment on November twenty fourth, how far advanced are you in getting Charlton to play the way you want them to play? Um, well, it's, it's a difficult one to answer because when you look at, uh, listen, if you include Saturday, we've had like a deck out injured, Souls out injured, Pierce out injured. This week we've got Harry Lennon, we've got Patrick Bauer, Tex out injured. We've lost Fox, we've lost Adam Ola, we've got Josh out injured. So when you when you look at all of these, we've probably had seven or eight different things that have gone against that period of time. I've not been able to play the same team for a number of weeks, but players who've come in, they've bought into what we're trying to do. Uh, and I think people have seen there's a high energy level to it there's an intensity to our play there's an aggressive nature to how we want to regain the football but it's it's going to take a lot longer it's going to take more transfer windows than one to get how I want to get it but I think what people can certainly see is that at least we're trying to do things the right way You've been busy since the transfer window opened four new signings are you still short in certain positions? Yeah I think so um, yeah, I think it's unfair to talk about them because I think it's not what people want to hear. They want to hear us going forward. I think the biggest thing for me to come up with what I've learned about this football club, I think I said to you afterwards how much I sort of fell in love with the club after the game on Saturday. That was that was special to see our fans so dedicated and with the right application in, in how they sang and supported their team was impeccable. And uh, that fueled my fire even more. Um, so... The excitement levels have grown since that day, and uh, it's going to take a long time to get the club how I really want it. But hopefully, people can see there's a dedication and, and there's, there's a there's a source of energy that we're trying to implement into the club 
Um, and I think that that is that is quite evident. Second place Scunthorpe up next at the Valley on Saturday. They're a good footballing side, very pleasing on the eye. You looking forward to getting the grips with them? Yeah, can't wait. Um, <clears throat> I think Graham's done an amazing job, obviously, this year. To, to come and do what they've done is, is outstanding. Obviously, they've been the pace setters for a large part of the season. It's a long season, as everyone knows. It's hard to stay there for, for all season. We all have a dip. Everyone goes through moments in the season and they find it hard to get results. Um, I'm not saying they're going to have one or, or, or whatever, but it's going to see you, you've got to sort of applaud them for their, for their quality um, again but since I've come in I think we've only played one game at the teams below us in the league so we've played all the top half teams in, in all of the games that have been involved in so our fixture has been very difficult and none more so than the next Saturday and the following Saturday away to Bolton so it's a, it's a real test and to be the game with no Lennon no Texera and no Pierce and no Bauer you know, I've never known to have four centre halves out injured. Um, so we'll have to see where we go. The positive is, you know, back back in the squad. Uh, Ricky Holmes will be a weak fitter. Uh, Tony will be a weak fitter. I'm not too sure how much fit that means, uh, but he'll be a weak fitter. So a lot of them are getting a lot of game time, which maybe they wouldn't have if we had a full squad. Nicky Josie was a, a surprise omission uh, on Saturday against Millwall. Is he in contention for a return? Yeah, they're all in contention to return. Obviously, it depends on what we think in training in the week and what we think is the right personnel to go into the game. And we would have known Josh would have gone off injured so soon. I think we would have maybe that was a slight mistake on our part. Nicky would have probably been a better one with being fitter. But I couldn't believe the reception of Tony Walker. And I tell you that that really that helped me with the motivation with him because he's a he's a great kid. So and he's a. He was so excited by, by the reception that he got for the fans. and You can see one, one thing about the fans here. I think they just want a bit of realism in the people that play for the club. I think they know Tony's real. Whether he says something right, wrong or indifferent, at least you know it, it's what he thinks. He doesn't understand holding back. <laughs> um, but we'll, uh, Nicky Jones is part of our squad and hopefully that we can back in the group this week. We spoke last week about Tony Watt's popularity with the German <laughs> fans. Were you surprised just how popular he is? Yeah, I said to him, I said, Tony, he said, I must have called him four times that he's ready to go on. I said, Gaffer, I couldn't hear you. I said, don't be stupid, Tony. He said, the fans were singing my name that loud, I just couldn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just a, he's just a strange lad. Uh, but I like that. I like the fact that you're, you're different. It, it makes the world a better place. It's any boring place if we were all the same type of people and with the same mundane answers and the same sort of stock answers that you get. He's different, but talented, and and he cares. Um, since he's come in, he's he's made me laugh and cry in the same minute. So he's a he's a very unique character, and I'd say I think all Charlton fans really. That's why they love Josh McGuinness. I think they see the desire and the application that he tries to put into the bags and. I'm already starting to see the type of players that they adhere themselves to, um, and I, it's nice to see that. I think what what, what the players need to realise is if you show an honesty to your shirt that you wear, and all I ask is that when you put your shirt on, that you that you dedicate the next 90 minutes of your life to it. And when you take your shirt off, you can't put any more into it when it goes on the ground at the end of a game. And one thing about like to Tony, he certainly does that. Um, he wasn't trying to get a second win on Saturday. He was after his third, fourth, and fifth after the first 10 minutes of him being on but he was a threat I think if we had the criticism of Tony 
it would be that he drifts. He doesn't score enough goals because he he wants to. He's almost like a young man playing on the park. He wants to get involved a little bit deeper. He wants to drift out wide. He wants to go at people. He needs to learn to stay in the middle of the goal. Um, and if he does, and Holm is talented on that area, he'll certainly be a, a top top goal scorer. He's one of the best players in the league on his day. And uh, hopefully we can get him right and we can get him motivated to be a, a top chart player. Compared to this time last week, how fitter is Tony? <laughs> Watt, is Tony Watt today? Yeah, he's just overtaken me. <laughs> no, he's uh, Tony's. He's fit. He completed uh, eighty minutes. Um, I don't think he's ready for ninety yet. Um, probably. Well, listen, we'll just have to wait and see. Right now, I've got one of the biggest headache problems I've, that I'm ever going to have with the amount of players that we've got out injured. And uh, I think it's a bit unfair for me or the players or the club to be judged at this moment in time. <laughs> but as you can see, we tackle every obstacle with the right positive mentality and the right excitement. Because regardless of the negativity. That you're always going to be going to games fully focused on it, and you should enjoy every challenge that the game wants to throw at you, and none more so than Saturday at home to Scunthorpe. Talking about crowd favourites, Josh McGuinness is obviously going to be yeah. out for some time. What's the latest on him? How um, long is he likely to be missing for? Um, he's been for a number of scans, Josh. I think what we did notice on the first the first X-ray is that he, he's had a plate in there for previous injuries, so there's an awful lot of uh, right. Well, there's a lot of, sort of interference in 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 this in the X-ray. Uh, because of the metal he already had his ankle so I want to set a diamond for another uh, ultrasound the next day and it's not as bad as what we first thought uh, but I think we're looking at a minimum of four weeks and maybe listen, but it could be six, seven we just it's one of them ones we've got to see how the swelling settles down first so right now we're still unclear but hopefully that we can uh, once once we do settle it down we're certainly in a much better place to move forward with Josh McGuinness but I, I spoke to, to uh, Mr. Murray the other week and we were talking about what player could you not lose right now? I said, Josh McGuinness. And after three, four minutes, I've lost him. But it, it is what it is. And uh, we just have to make sure that now Tony comes in, you've got Tony, you've got Nicky, you've got Lee Novak coming back. That's why we're a big club, because we should be able to cope with the demands of injuries. But we can't keep coping with such, ne- with such difficult ones at the moment. But the players have been excellent. And I'm sure they'll try and put a performance in once again. Well, they will put a performance in once again on Saturday. Any clues as to whom you're going to play in central defence on Saturday? Well, I have no choice I think it's very limited I think if anybody was looking at it I think everybody in the chart bank could pick my back four it's the ones who put the boots on today and it's, it's all we have we'll bring Dick Steele in I hope I pronounced his, his name right um, a Dutch boy who's really impressed me with the 23s recently um, I'm, I don't think he's ready to play first team football yet but he's certainly ready to come into the squad um, and hopefully we can mould him Carl Robinson, thank you very much. Cheers, Paul. Uh, so there we go, Carl Robinson previewing this weekend's game with Scunthorpe. Carl was in the news today a bit, in the, in the Daily Mail. It's a, sort of, it's a slightly weird story, really. It's emerged mm. that Carl Robinson had a very small shareholding uh, in a company called ICM, which uh, the uh, the agent of Delhi Alley is the is, is uh, sort of the owner of ICM, which has recently gone into administration. Um, but Carl, there, Carl, um, the ICM are... If, say, for example, um, Spurs sold Deli Alley on ICM, would get a bit of a windfall from that, which you presume as, as, a, as a 1% shareholding, therefore Cole would get some of it. And obviously mm. it raises it. the questions. Like, it would appear that he... Well, there's no 
signed, there was no, there's no evidence that he was a shareholder during the time that Deli Ali was sold from MK Dons. And also, the uh, the story is it points out there's no suggestion of any wrongdoing. Neither does there appear to be any breach of FA regulations regarding restriction on conflicts of interest. Though the position is totally not clear. Like I say it, it would appear that Cole had some had someone suggested a one percent shareholding, mm. and there seems to be some sort of. Uh, benchmark of five percent uh, that the, the state said prohibits beneficial ownership of more than five percent of any entity, firm, or company right. for which the activities of the club or intermediary are conducted. Um, so it, it doesn't sound like he's done anything wrong. It, 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 may, maybe he might be playing on his mind, or perhaps a bit. Is it, is it something that, that, that you worry about? That it's a bit confusing. The whole thing's quite confusing, really. Yeah, confusing is the right word. And I think, as you say, there's no no suggestion of any wrongdoing. F- as far as we can tell but it is it's just a bit of a strange situation and and as you say to be in the headlines for that sort of thing it, I'm sure it's gonna gonna be on his mind hopefully it doesn't affect him too much and we're obviously able to just get on and play our game but um yeah it's obviously two days before a game it, it's not ideal timing mm. for that to come out but as you say if he's done nothing wrong he's got nothing to hide or anything mm. like that then he should hopefully be able to just concentrate and get on with his job yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Um, t- tweeted a photo by Brian Hayes of the uh, the the Circular Bruges website's photo of J- of Jose Riga. They've got the whole coaching staff. They've got three members of the coaching staff, just a photo of him face on, and the one for Jose Riga, they clearly haven't got him. So they've just photographed some random person <laughs> with his back to the camera uh, and put that on there instead. It's, it's not him. <laughs> that's a, uh, so that's a weird one, right? Flaggy's corner. I said we're going to talk about this because uh, and and because Flaggy put it out to vote earlier. I got tweeted by one of the Charlton corner flags, obviously. That's what happens on the internet. Uh, and he said, because obviously we're missing those four centre-backs, he's trying to work out uh, who you'd want to partner Esri Conza. So he put the vote out. So he, the, the, the choices were he could vote for Roger Johnson, Flaggy himself, one of the youth team, or me, Louis Mendes. Uh, one of the youth team got 49%, so they won, disappointed. I came at respectable second, 26%. Flaggy, 15%. Only 10% want Roger Johnson, who I believe it will be... Uh, Roger Johnson yeah, there. Flaggy say, also, he's going to be the one. Flaggy also asks, in, uh, who, who is better, Flaggy or Mendes, on a tweet more recently? Well, clearly the, the polls suggest mm. the overwhelming public opinion is that I'm better than a flag. Is he thinking better at football or...? Just better in real life. In, in life. better at life. Yeah, better at everything, okay. I imagine. Um, obviously, obviously, Roger Johnson is going to play. It's going to be interesting to see... I, I believe that's going to be the case. And it's going to be interesting to see how, so. um, uh, how exactly... Uh, what sort of reaction he gets, and what sort of performance he's going to put in? Because I'm going to, I'm going to now uh, slightly un, un- a popular I opinion to the mass, support you, so. yeah, and say I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as people suggest. I think character-wise, obviously that's something that you can make your own mind up about, and I'm sure we all have. But in terms of footballing ability, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as people are implying that we're about to bring in. You know, the people suggesting we, we'd be better off with a corner flag or me. I think. Um when he came in that first time, I thought he did really well and his experience counted a lot towards especially some of the youngsters that we had. I can't remember if we still had Gomez in then or if it was Konza, but there were there were some youthful players in that back four and I thought he marshalled them really well. And He was a loud voice on the pitch and you could hear him and you could hear him in sort of guiding players through games and I thought that was brilliant. So when we then got him back in, I thought that was a good thing. Um, obviously, it didn't turn out that way. We went down... And then the incident at the start of the season, um, obviously, and I completely support and appreciate why Charlton fans feel this way, are not going to let that go easily. Um, And I think that's, for him, tainted him now at this club. Um, I agree with you. I think in terms of his actual footballing ability, he's he's okay. Um, 
he he can have good games as we saw in that first spell here but unfortunately that relationship between him and the Charlton fans has broken down and that is obviously going to make his game difficult on Saturday uh, I'm not going to call for Charlton fans to get behind him they've got their reasons for booing him and I completely respect that point of view but I think alongside Konza then obviously we wouldn't pick him in a first choice but I think he's more than capable of stepping yeah. in for a game it's an interesting one really character versus ability and, and yeah. whereas his, his ability isn't up there with the likes of Jason Pearce and, and maybe even Paddy Bauer and Tex mm. who, are, who are all missing and uh, and Harry Lennon his character is obviously the thing that the people are questioning yeah. but that's, yeah. that's the way it is obviously going up top I mean, good tweet here from Cromie says uh, our only goal threat now is out for four weeks plus and he's obviously mentioned the four centre-halves as well mm. but you know w- without Big Mag you know I think I think during that interview Carl said he felt it was a slight mistake to not have a Jose available because Tony Watt wasn't fit enough and mm. he obviously didn't expect to have to bring him on so early but do you, do you think it's more likely to be a Jose or what on Saturday? I think it I think it'll probably be a Jose from the start because I think what he's uh, Robinson's admitted he's not sure how fit he is and Novak's only just coming back so I think a Jose's the one I think any of those three strikers will be looking to make an impact because obviously whilst we're gutted McGuinness is out it's a good chance for them to make a name for themselves you know as we said a Jose's up there in terms of his goals so if he was to get one or two at the weekend suddenly puts him right back in the frame for, for starting games um, and if he's going to be out for a month these three are going to have to fight out for that position so Saturday's the chance to make a statement uh, I'd expect a Jose um, in terms of goal threat obviously we hope Ricky Holmes can start as well um, but certainly we'll have some part to play in the game you would think so yeah. there are goals in the side apart from McGuinness I don't think we're that reliant on him but obviously it's a, a massive blow going to be interesting to see that I like the, the, the two games we have had or the three games actually no no, two games we've had against Comfort so far this season. Uh, the nil-nil draw up at their place on the Tuesday night, and then we had the three-one FA Cup mm. win. They've been two really entertaining games. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this. Obviously, Scunthorpe w- were at one point quite quite handily in the lead. Sheffield United have finally come good, so they're yeah. they're second now. So I'm looking forward to hopefully be a good uh, game. We've actually run out of time here on Charlton Live. This has been the big match preview. Uh, Tom Walling, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Lee. Uh, I've been Louis Meadows. Don't forget, 29 minutes in on Saturday's game, there's going to be a round of applause to remember the life of Liam Meadows, a Charlton fan who sadly passed away and I'm sure will be missed by everyone within the Charlton family. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday. We'll see you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.